Hello, hello, welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football. And today's episode is going to be reviewing last weekend's games, which were week 13, as well as previewing the upcoming weekend's games of week 14. And to talk about a little bit about the playoff picture, which that will be my next uh, episode of One Take, episode 6. Episode 5 of One Take, it's taken a while. Um... But that episode of Bill O'Brien's old offensive system versus his current offensive system, that will be more, or that will also be uploaded today, separate from this episode. But nevertheless, to start with reviewing of last weekend's games, starting with last Thanksgiving, which I believe had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Starting with the Bears versus Lions. This is by far Mitchell Trubisky's best offensive performance. Not only for this season, but this is also kind of career highs for him. Um, this is probably uh, one of his, if not his most attempts thrown, which were 38. He completed 29 out of 38 attempts. Uh, so above uh, roughly around, I think, under 60%, but it nevertheless still, still good. Threw in three touchdown passes, one interception, but any QB can have a great performance against the Lions' atrocious defense. No matter if it's a 32nd ranked offense, if you're going against the Lions' defense, which is, I think, ranked 32nd in total yards at, uh, as of this moment, um, any offense can have a good performance against that, again, atrocious defense. Bears move on to 6-6. Six and six. Lions are just done for playoffs. They're... They don't even have enough wins, even if they win the next four games, which there's only four games left on the season. They go seven, eight, and one. You got the Vikings who are or eight and four. You got the Packers nine and three. So and then you got other teams that have ten plus wins. So the Lions, they're 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 out of it. They're mathematically out of the playoffs. Uh, but of course, the Bears will need to win the, the rest of their games to even have a chance to obtain the sixth playoff seed. Right now, that's in the hands of the Minnesota Vikings, who are 8-4 and four at this point. But yeah, the Bears need to win the rest of the games, and they need performances like these from Mitchell Trubisky. And also, at least good offensive play calling from Matt Nagy to at least have a chance to win games and also help their defense out. Because by far, this defense, still phenomenal as always, has been the one that's been carrying them up until this point to be able to be 6-6. Six and six. Obviously, the Bears' defense were ass. They did not play well against the Lions' offense. Yes, the Lions' offense only scored 20 points, but the Bears' defense also gave up a bunch of yards. But nevertheless, Bears 6-6. Six and six. On to the next game against the Cowboys. But we'll see how that game goes. And I'll talk about it later in this episode. Bills versus Cowboys. Bills defense is dominating. Now the scoreboard was 26 to 15. So Cowboys were only, they only lost by two possessions. But there were several sacks, a forced fumble, a couple picks, I believe. Uh, that Bills offense did just enough to move the ball. Cole Beasley had over 100 yards receiving on five catches and a receiving touchdown. Um, Bill's offense, I would say, is slowly but surely picking up, especially December football coming around, which they've been dominant in terms of running the ball. Josh Allen um, is by far getting better uh, for this season. 
He's probably one of the big reasons, too, why the Bills were able to beat the Cowboys. For example, there was like a fourth and one call. They called a QB sneak. Josh Allen bobbles the snap, picks the ball right back up, breaks three defenders' tackles in terms of just moving forward, and got the first down. So he's tenacious, big quarterback. They're using some more read options as of late in terms of, you know, running the ball. But again, this entire organization being 9-3 right now is off the base. And you can, you can may argue against this, but I argue for that that Bills defense ranking second in total yards right now. And in the top five for points per game. And top ten for forcing turnovers. And top ten for getting sacks. And I believe number second in terms of defending the pass. Number five against defending the run. They're by far the reason why the Bills are 9-3 at this point and on the doorstep of making the playoffs again. Saints versus Falcons. Despite three onside kicks, all of them recovered by the Falcons. Although one of them, it was a penalty, and after that penalty, they still recovered the onside kick anyway. Falcons still lost. So really, the Saints dominated this game. I want to say the scoreboard ended up being 26-18. But yeah, at at one point in the game, it was just 26-10. And, and you think late in the fourth quarter, the Saints should have won this game. Or they did enough just about win this game. But no, the Falcons came back, scored a, couple, scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion, I believe. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was 26-9, scored a touchdown, couldn't get the two-point conversion, got the ball back, went for the field goal, got the ball back again. So this game was only competitive because of those onside kicks being recovered. But the Saints defense on the final drive of the game did just enough to get the W. And also, the Saints claimed their division. So they could lose the rest of their games if they want to, but they made the playoffs. But, of course, no NFL team that's won the division this early wants to do that. They want to make sure that they get the number one playoff positioning. That way, they get the bye week. Win in the divisional round, and then when they move on to the NFC Championship game, they they will host it. Um, so that is the goal of the Saints right now. But nevertheless, congrats! To, nevertheless, congrats to the Saints on winning their division. Titans versus Colts. A couple of forced turnovers leads to the Titans' victory. Now the Titans at one point were down seventeen to seven, and then they scored twenty four unanswered points to win thirty one seventeen. But at one point of the game. Uh, Colts were going for a field goal, only to get blocked, returned for a touchdown. Um, then, I believe there was a defensive touchdown as well. No, it was a defensive turnover. Then the Titans scored on one play after, straight after that turnover. Tannehill threw a beautiful ball to, to Sharp, I believe. No, it was some other receiver. Some other receiver that caught it for a touchdown. Just beautiful ball. But nevertheless, you know, both offenses from the Colts and the Titans are dependent on running the ball to set up play action, to aid their quarterback in the best way possible. Just Tannehill outplayed Jacoby Brissett in terms of the offensive systems that they use, but the Colts are more of a power running team. The Titans, they use some power, but you can also argue that they're more of a zone team just because some of the coaching staff that were were brought in and that had worked under Matt LaFour and the on the offensive side of the ball did stay. 
And so there's his own skin concepts are, are still there. And Derrick Henry is a beast. Um, but nevertheless, just Titans came back, did enough uh, to, to win this game. 49ers versus Ravens. It came down to a Justin, tu- yeah, Justin Tucker game-winning field goal. 20-17, that was the end of the ball game. Ravens won. It was basically just who ran the ball better and didn't turn over the ball much. You know, both teams turned over the ball, I think, once. Uh, Mostert, the uh, running back for the 49ers that started that game, had over 146 or had 146 yards rushing, had a rushing touchdown. Jimmy, D, Jimmy G played decent despite you know rainy weather. Uh, and it was also very cold weather, too. Lamar Jackson only threw around 150 yards passing. He also had over 100 yards rushing. Mark Ingram also had 100 yards rushing. So really, it just it was basically pound the ball in this game, just basically which team did enough to get points and to not turn over the ball. And on the final drive, Ravens wasted like five minutes until they, there were three, three seconds left on the clock. And then they attempted a 49-game-winning field goal. And again, it was good. So this was this was an amazing matchup. And um, it'll probably be the same thing for next week's game or this upcoming game between the Bills and the Ravens. Jets versus, also, before I move on to this, the 49ers, because they lost and because Seattle had won, uh, they're now, despite being 10-2, and two, are in the fifth seed right now in terms of the NFC playoff positioning. Jets versus Bengals. Uh, Bengals get the first win. They beat the Jets 22-6, I think. They started Andy Dolan for this game, but they got their first win. Browns versus Steelers. This game will be the cause of Freddie Kitchens being fired if the Browns don't win the next four games. As I talked about all year with the Browns in separate episodes too, there's no offensive identity. There's none. The Browns are amazing at running the ball. Nick Chubb has over a thousand yards rushing. Matter of fact, leads the NFL in rushing yards. But they do it differently. They either do a RPO, they either do multiple tight end sets in run stretch plays. But there's no there's no consistency. There's no basic identity, which does not help Baker Mayfield. And despite the targets and the weapons that Baker Mayfield has, he has struggled too. This some of the blame does go on him. But it's not like they have the greatest offensive play caller either, which is Freddie Kitchens, who's also the head coach. And the Browns as far this season have had success running the ball and then play action from under the center. Because a lot of their pass routes, when just going, when just throwing the football with no play action, you know, Baker takes like five step drops out of the shotgun, and there's a route that he's still waiting on that's going to be run like 25 yards down the field. And by the time that route gets open, Baker gets sacked, or he's got to scramble to the right and find someone else. This is all on Freddie Kitchens. It really is. He's the one that's developing this offense. He's the one that's developing these past concepts. I know there's the offensive coordinator there, Todd Moykin, 
who had success with the Bucks when he was calling plays, but he's not the play caller. It's Freddie Kitchens. And again, if your quarterback has the best success when it comes to play action, when it comes to him being on the center and faking a stretch play or faking a inside zone to then throw over the top with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, then by all means do that. But no, they went past heavy this game against a phenomenal secondary, which the Steelers have now moved on to 7-5, and they're 7-5 for a reason. They're 7-5 because of the base of their defense. No one has scored over 24 points on the Steelers. And the Steelers haven't allowed that since week three. Guess who? To the Baltimore fucking Ravens. Right? And you're by far offensively, I would say, more talented in terms of receivers compared to the Baltimore Ravens. And you have a big back in Nick Chubb. And you have Kareem Hunt. And it's frustrating because going in that game, the Steelers, despite having a good defense, are not great defending the run. They're not. But yet the game plan that Freddie Kitchens wanted to establish was going pass heavy against his sec- an excellent secondary. And so the Browns end up losing this game 20-13. And it's off the basis of Freddie Kitchens. Yes, some of it again is off of Baker Mayfield's play. But you have to understand throughout the season, we've seen Baker Mayfield have more success when he's from under the center when using play action. Yes, there are times where it's like third and long. He can convert third and long. But you have to call a specific play or plays that give Baker Mayfield some comfortability or give Baker Mayfield the best confidence or instill confidence in this play that says, hey, as Baker Mayfield, hey, I can make this play because I'm confident with this play. I don't have to wait for a receiver to run 30 yards down the field while I'm taking five-step drops out of shotgun to then throw it. I just take three, maybe two steps, throw it quickly. Or if there's a 10-yard route, bam, I can throw that without having to put so much pressure on my offensive line to block for me or without having to escape the pocket. It's it's dumb shit play calling by Freddie Kitchens. And so if the Browns don't win four straight games and don't have other teams lose or or to have other teams lose to make the six wild card spot, then they may keep Freddie Kitchens. But if they lose this upcoming weekend's game, I don't think they'll fire him during the season, but I think they'll fire him afterwards because this is, this is fucking pathetic. All right, Eagles versus Dolphins. Fitzmagic does it again. He throws over 300 yards, a couple touchdown passes. He basically just went full Thanksgiving on the Eagles secondary, which they are ranked 32nd in defending the pass, which they're fucking atrocious. Um, but also... You know, again, they won 37-31. to And there were twice in this game the Eagles were up by two possessions. You know, 14-0, 28-14. But then the Miami Dolphins defense were able to adjust in all those occasions. Stop the Eagles offense because they can't throw vertically. So they stopped the run. They stopped the intermediate routes. Fitzpat- Fitzmagic, or Fitzpatrick really, but yes, Fitzmagic. Found Devontae Parker for a couple of big passing plays. Some of them ended up being touchdowns. And then also there was this trick play on fourth and goal. And the first time ever in NFL history that an NFL punter threw a touchdown pass 
to an NFL kicker, which is number one, that's fucking hilarious, and number two, it's fucking awesome. And uh, the Eagles special teams, I think it was special teams, lined up on there and couldn't adjust to it, didn't suspect of it. I don't know what they were trying to expect, but I don't think anyone expected a punter to throw a touchdown pass to a kicker, but it was amazing. Nevertheless, Dolphins won 37-31. Redskins versus Panthers. Ron Rivera is fired. Um, I don't want to be fired, but you can blame some of it on him, and you can definitely blame it on the current offense coordinator, North Turner. The Redskins defense is ranked 28th when defending a run and ranked 11th in defending the pass. So despite the atrocious play from the Redskins, despite their atrocious record, sorry about that, despite their atrocious record, they are good in one area on defense and it's their secondary. But for whatever reason, that game plan in the game was, well, let's not give it to Christian McCaffrey. Let's give it to our receivers. If you have, if your best player is your running back and your offensive line run blocks well and it's going against the defense that does not defend the run well, why are you throwing the ball? I'm sorry for yelling, but why? Why? Why throw the ball? Why not just pound the ball? I understand, yes, sometimes the defense, you know, forces a, you know, three-yard gain only, and it's like second and seven. By all means, I run it again to make it the third down shorter in terms of yardage, or if you picked up the first down, or call play action, call bootleg, call a quick play action, where it's a quick fake, throw it quick. Some shit like that. But no, the... Panthers did nothing, none of that. Like, there's been several first and tens to get the ball, and they call pass play out shotgun. Or they don't call a play action from under center. Or they just call play action out of shotgun, but it's out of shotgun. You don't necessarily have your best run blockers out there, and that certainly doesn't give Chris McCaffrey the best opportunity he can make out of to get yardage. And they lost. And in doing so, and also it was a terrible defensive performance. They couldn't stop the run against the Redskins, which has by far been their best offensive performance. Or when when playing has been their bread and butter is, is running the ball. And it also doesn't help when your quarterback, Kyle Allen of the Panthers, throws interceptions. So, Ron Rivera, unfortunately fired, but you can also blame this on North Turner. Your best player is Christian McCaffrey, who at one point was being talked about winning MVP, but because of the record that the Panthers are right now in 5-7, and seven, even if they win four straight games, that MVP trophy is not going to go to Christian McCaffrey. And at this point, I don't see the Panthers winning the rest of their games because of the coaching staff, because of the play calling. It's 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 in their schedule. It's fucking atrocious. It's terrible. Giants versus Packers. Aaron Rodgers throws four touchdowns in the snow against a terrible Giants secondary. So I mean, impressive bounce back win. Um, Packers couldn't really establish a run against the Giants' run defense for whatever reason. Uh, Packers ended up winning thirty-one to thirteen. So 
And they didn't defend the run well. I mean, Shaquan Barkley, I think, had over 80 yards rushing on only 20 carries. So about four yards per carry. But they forced turnovers and forced sacks. And so, and, and when they gave the ball back to the Packers offense, they moved the ball through the air and were able to score a bunch of points. So congrats to the Packers on winning this game. But I still worry about the run defense. Buccaneers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles bench. Menshew, uh, yeah, Gardner Minshew plays and still fumbles the ball a lot. Yes, they scored points when he was in there. But I was late in the game. And he, again, still fumbled the ball. Still threw a pick. And so that enables the Bucks to move on to 5-7. and seven. So mathematically, the Buccaneers are still in the playoffs, but they're playing against the Texans this weekend. If they lose, they're going to be out of the playoffs. And that's that's all I can get from this game. And by the end of the season, I do think the Jacksonville Jaguars owner will fire the coaching staff and the general manager slash scouting staff. I do think they're going to clean house through there. Rams versus Cardinals. Rams offense bounces back. In a huge way. Jared Goff, just FYI, won NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He threw over 400 yards, threw three touchdowns, I think. Yeah, three touchdowns. No picks, no fumbles. Played a near-perfect game. I believe he had over. I believe he had 140 uh, quarterback rating. Again, it's against the poorest Cardinal secondary. But, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, they're, this is a trap game. They're going to lose to the Cardinals because of Kyler Murray. They're going to lose to the Cardinals because there's absolutely no offensive line pass protection for Jared Goff. Absolutely no run blocking. When, in fact, those are all atrocious bullshit arguments. Matter of fact, the Rams defense only allowed a touchdown, and that was because it was late in the fourth quarter. Kyler Murray just ran for a touchdown. Otherwise, they dominated the Rams' offense. I'm sorry, they dominated the Cardinals' defense. Or, sorry, Cardinals' offense. Cardinals' offense. Cardinals' offense couldn't get anything going. Now, the Rams' offense did dominate the Cardinals' defense, of course. And this is basically a bounce-back game from them just being demolished by the Ravens. And so, if the Rams win the rest of their games, they could potentially claim either a fifth or sixth playoff positioning. But it also depends on what the Seahawks do, what the 49ers do, what the Packers do, what the Vikings do. So, there's a lot of implications there. But nevertheless, great win, great bounce-back win. Um, for the Los Angeles Rams. Raiders versus Chiefs. Uh, Raiders turnovers leads to a blown out loss. You know, a lot of people were thinking about the Raiders. You know, they're, they're doing well. They're coming back. Um, but the past two games, they lost to the Jets 34-3. And they lost to the Chiefs 40-9. And... Patrick Mahomes and that offense, it's very difficult to stop. Raiders secondary is ranked 30th in the NFL currently in passing yards per game. So there's no stopping the Chiefs offense because they just throw the ball with no problem. And so if you're dependent, which this was part of the Raiders game plan, was running the ball. 
So the, the Chiefs' run defense, what I point out in my last episode, which go, was going to be the key to this game, they allowed over 130 yards rushing to Josh Jacobs, but they also forced turnovers. So that defense is dependent on forcing turnovers. Now, had, had, had there not been any penalties or less penalties by the Raiders, and had there not been any turnovers, the game could have been a lot different. But it turned out to be a blowout loss. So yes, the Raiders are still in the playoff picture, but I don't see him making the playoffs. And meanwhile, the Chiefs now have a two-game lead amongst the Raiders. Or really a, a really a two-point, no, really a three. I mean, they're ahead by two games in terms of records, but they also beat the Raiders twice. So they have that tiebreaker. So they're getting closer and closer to winning that AFC West division. Chargers versus Broncos. A pass interference by the Chargers leads to a Broncos victory. In all Chargers fashion, they came back, tied the game, 20-20. Nine seconds left on the clock. Uh, Drew Locke, the quarterback for the Broncos, throws the ball deep, and it ended up being pass interference. 51-yard field goal for the win, 23-20. That has been the story of the Chargers, is not doing well in the clutch, always trying to come back, or giving up a huge lead. Just, just, it's just been a rough season for the Chargers. Patriots versus Texans. The Texans' pass attack succeeded against Patriots' man coverage. There were only a couple times where they doubled DeAndre Hopkins or where they called zone, but otherwise they just called man coverage across the board. Sometimes blitz zero with safeties coming down and, and blitzing. But man, the Texans made him pay. They threw the ball deep to King Stills. This beautiful ball ended up being a touchdown. They fixed their pass protection. Earlier in the game, they also kind of kept the offense more balanced by running the ball with some read options. But nevertheless, they threw the ball quick first, and then they threw a bunch of intermediate routes and then deep routes. So that's literally been the bread and butter of this Texans offense. And you could argue through all season being pass first to set up the run. Now they're ranked fifth in rushing yards, and they're ranked eighth in passing yards. But the offense is pass first. That offense is not usually called play action out of the center or out of shotgun. That offense is really shotgun, either multiple tight end sets or multiple wide receiver sets, one tight end, one running back. Again, a lot of shotgun formations doing intermediate to deep routes because that's the core of that offense. It's Watson throwing deep with the receivers that they got with Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kenny Seals, and then throwing short out of the backfield with Duke Johnson, and then, of course, throwing it to Darren Fells, despite being 33 years old, as having a career season this far. And broke the Texans franchise record for most receiving touchdowns by a tight end with seven. And nevertheless, the Patriots did try to make a comeback. The game ended up being closer on scoreboard than it was. It ended up being 28-22. to and the Patriots recovered an onside kick. Maybe the Patriots could have won with 50 seconds left and no timeouts. And because they have Tom Brady. But they didn't recover the onside kick. And in doing so, the Texans just kneeled. Ran out the clock. But otherwise, through almost 
almost four quarters, the Texans just dominated. Their pass rush was there. The run defense was fixed. They forced turnovers. And the Texans offensively, again, were able to throw intermediate to deep routes, were able to beat man coverage with no problem. So if the Texans and Patriots do mean the playoffs again, I don't expect New England to run a lot of man coverage this time. I expect them to run zone, and I expect them to double Hawkins or Will Fuller. I expect that to happen, and I expect Houston to adjust from there by you know throwing quick passes or short passes within the zone coverage to then set up the deep passes. Vikings versus Seahawks. Turnovers kill the Vikings' chances of a comeback. Now the Vikings are down 34-17 to on one point. Then in the fourth quarter, they only allowed three points defensively. But then they scored um, 13 unanswered points to make the game at least 37-30. to But there was a fumble and a kickoff return. Seahawks recovered, kneeled the clock. But yeah, it's just the Vikings ended up playing from behind and were able to at least make the game competitive and at least have an opportunity. Had there not been turnovers early in the game, again, it could have been a lot different. I think the Vikings could have won that game personally, but the Seahawks outplayed them. And now we're going to transition to previewing week 14, starting with the Bears versus Cowboys. Um, it's going to be Mitch versus the Cowboys defense. That Cowboys defense has been ass as of late. And Mitch Trubisky is coming off a career game, if you will. So we'll see how he adjusts from there. But I do think, despite being in cold weather, despite being or despite playing at home, and the Cowboys are an away team, I do think it's going to be how Mitch Trubisky performs against the Dallas Cowboys defense. Speaking of performance, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett's performance and how he does against the Buccaneers. Look, the Buccaneers are going to turn over the ball because it's Jameis fucking Winston. But they're also going to throw the ball deep because they have two receivers who are both over 1,000 yards receiving with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So they can throw the ball vertically. They're one of the best teams in terms of throwing the ball vertically with over 25-plus yards. And they do run the ball well. When forcing teams to cover the pass or adjust to their pass attack. And the Colts are excellent in running the ball. But again, as I pointed out, just because you're successfully running the ball, whether getting, you know, 160 yards, almost 200 yards rushing, you got to at least succeed in throwing the ball. If your QB either throws the ball over 200 yards and keeps the chains moving and scores touchdowns, Great. Or your QB converts third and shorts to keep the ball going or to keep the drive going. And Jacoby Brissett has not been able to do any of those. And so really it's going to come down to him performing well. The Colts can't just keep running the ball. Now the running, if the running attack or rushing attack goes over 280 yards rushing, then yeah, they'll win. But that's a rare occasion. And the Buccaneers have been getting better in terms of defending the run as of late. So again, this is going to come down to Jacoby Brissett's performance. Ravens versus Bills. Similar to the Ravens versus 49ers, this is going to be which run game is better. Which team is not firm with the ball. Which team can keep time of possession in their favor. And which team can score points through running the ball or through play action. 
And I do think the Bills defense, I do think they have more athletic linebackers compared to the 49ers. But also the 49ers have lost one of their running back linebackers a couple weeks ago, uh, Kiwan Alexander, to an ACL injury. And he was by far the, not only their starter, but their most athletic linebacker. And so Edmonds, the starter for the Bills, he's by far the most athletic linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. And so they will, I don't imagine that they'll have any problem adjusting to the read option, adjusting to the Ravens running attack. And I don't think the Ravens will have any problems adjusting to the Bills running attack because although they don't call similar formations, they do call read options. Just It just so happens for the Bills, they don't call it often. But when they do, it's out of three wide receiver sets, one tight end, one running back. But most of the time, they have Josh Allen under center with multiple tight end sets or multiple tight end slash fullback sets. Um, or I formation, if you will, and just power running with Frank Gore and Singletary. And again, it's going to come down to which team has the time possession and which team does not turn over the ball. Because if a team does both and scores touchdowns, they'll win. I do think the Bills might have an advantage just because their defense is far better than the Ravens. And they have athletic linebackers that can adjust to Lamar Jackson. But... The Ravens' defense has an opportunity to do well against the Bills' offense if they stop the run and force the Bills to throw vertically. And that's where the Ravens' secondary really excels at is defending the pass, not so much defending the run. Although they've been defending the run, well, no, not in, except for the 49ers game, they've been defending the run as of late. But against the 49ers, again, they gave up almost... 180 yards rushing with the 49ers. So, Lions versus Vikings. Uh, Blau's performance. He was the QB, backup QB for the Lions, who played pretty well against the Chicago Bears. And he'll probably play well again, or hopefully, or maybe not. But it's going to be based on how he plays well against the Vikings defense. I do think the Vikings are going to win, but it just depends on Blau's performance. If he plays phenomenally or extremely well, the Lions may make an upset. But nevertheless, it's all based on Blau's performance. Redskins versus Packers. Packers running attack and the run defense. That's going to be key. I certainly, I mean, I know you have Aaron Rodgers, but again, that secondary is ranked 11th right now in defending the pass. So they do have people to cover Devontae Adams. They do have people that can cover Lazard, the other receiver in the Packers, who's emerging as a number two. They do have people to cover Jimmy Graham, even though he has not been consistent as of late. And they have people that can cover Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams out of the backfield. And really, you don't want to go past heavy because the Redskins can run the ball. They can, and they can run the ball against an atrocious Packers run defense. So really, it's going to come down to how can the Packers run the ball successfully against a 28th-ranked run defense? That's going to be key here, is how does Aaron Jones perform and how does Jamal Williams and offensive line perform in the running game. Broncos versus Texans. 
Broncos secondary against the Texans passing attack. Now, similar to the Patriots, the Broncos run a lot of man. The Broncos secondary, despite being 3-8, and eight, the Broncos secondary is by far the best or the bright spot, if you will, for that team. And they're going to try to double D-Hop. They're going to try to double Fuller if they can. They're going to try to eliminate and also bring pressure and stop the Texans' passing attack. I do think the Texans will keep it balanced or at least bring or at least run the ball too with read options or just out shotgun formations or maybe sometimes under the center, you know, with multiple tight end sets. But nevertheless, this is a passing attack. They're, the Texans are going to try to throw the ball intermediate to deep. And so they get their pass protection well. If Watson throws the ball quickly amongst those intermediate and deep routes and those receivers can get off the man coverage like they did against the Patriots, I do think the Texans will succeed. 49ers versus Saints. Drew Brees versus the 49ers defense. Look, we know despite the inconsistent weapons that the 49ers have, except for George Kittle, that they can throw the ball deep. The Saints, despite being 10-2, and and having an excellent running game, and throwing the ball off of play action with intermediate routes, and throwing the ball short out shotgun with no problem, when having the beast of receiver Michael Thomas, and consistent performance from Jared Cook, their tight end, and having Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, they do not throw the ball vertically well. And they do not attempt to throw the ball vertically at all. Or on rare occasions. So that's going to be key. So how can the Saints, again, as I point this out, can they throw the ball vertically? Can they do it? They did it against the Panthers a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> and they certainly were at least able to throw the ball deep a little bit against the Falcons secondary. It wasn't often, though, but they did. So can they throw the ball vertically against the 49ers secondary? Bengals versus Browns. Freddie Kitchens must win game. This is it. This is it right here. If he loses, he might be fired uh, during the season or just wait till the end of the season, but this is a must-win game. Panthers versus the Falcons, uh, uh, Panthers run game. That's going to be key. If they're really trying to make a run and really trying to at least see if they can get the sixth seed in the playoff positioning, they need to give it to Christian McCaffrey. They need to do it. That's what a fucking God. If they don't, they'll lose. Dolphins versus Jets. Fitzmagic again. That's going to be a question here if he performs well. I do think he will. Chargers versus Jaguars. Turnovers will de- determine this game. I will, I will argue if one team turns the turnovers the ball a lot and one team doesn't, the other team that turnovers the ball a lot will lose. I just don't know who it's going to be. <clears throat> Chiefs versus Patriots. Will Brady find another consistent target? A lot of people are saying the Patriots can't throw the ball well, even though Tom Brady's ranked fifth right now in passing yards. So, yes, they can throw the ball well. They have Julian Elman and James White, but they need other consistent targets. So, as you saw 
if you did from the Texans game, it was very dependent on Julian Edelman and James White. That was part of the reason why the Patriots were still able to make that game close was through James White and Julian Edelman. But they need a consistent receiver. It looks like Jacoby Myers may be that consistent receiver or a consistent tight end and looks to be Lacoste. But if they can find another consistent weapon, I do think the offense overall will get better. But again, the Patriots with Tom Brady are ranked fifth right now in passing yards. So I don't. I don't think they're that atrocious in the passing game, really. It's just finding a consistent target. And despite having a good defense, much like them being torched by the Texans' receivers in their passing attack, they're going to be torched by the Chiefs' passing, a pa- passing attack by Ch- Patrick Mahomes. So, again, it's going to come down to, can Brady find another consistent target? And if he can... I do think the Patriots will win this game. Titans versus Raiders. Battle of the run games. Derrick Henry versus Josh Jacobs. Both run defenses are okay. Or at least average. It just depends on which running game not only does well, but which team doesn't turn with the ball. As of late, Ryan Tannehill has outplayed Derrick Carr in terms of stats. But again, it's going to be dependent on the running attack. Steelers versus Cardinals. It's going to be Kyler Murray against the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary. Steelers versus Ravens. It's going to be Jared Goff's. Will it be Jared Goff's revenge game? Last time they played, it was a missed field goal. Otherwise, the Rams would have won that game, and the record possibly would have been eight and four instead of seven and five. And Jared Goff, late in that game, was able to throw the ball successfully. So, again, it's going to come down to, I do think it's going to come down to Jared Goff throwing the ball well and outplaying Russell Wilson and torching the secondary of the Seahawks. And, again, they're playing at home, so favorable conditions. And I know they got whooped two weeks ago at home against the Ravens. And I know the Seahawks haven't have a good running attack, a rushing attack, but that defense of the Seahawks is not as good as the Ravens. And so I do think if Jared Goff performs well, I do think the Rams will win. Last but definitely not least, Giants versus Eagles. The question is, will the Eagles offense get back on track? And if they can't, I do think they'll lose this game. I do think so to the Giants. But that is it for today's episode. And as I mentioned, the current playoff picture in the AFC, number one seed Ravens, number two Patriots, number three Texans, number four Chiefs, number five Bills, number six Steelers. In the NFC, number one Saints, number two Seahawks, number three Packers, number four Cowboys, number five 49ers, number six Vikings. In the hunt for the AFC, Titans, Raiders, Browns, and Colts. And the hunt for the NFC, Rams, Bears, Bucks, and Panthers. So again, it's not over just yet. There's four games. Anything can happen in four games. But I'll explain more later in my one take of episode six. Stay tuned for that for Friday's episode. 
I'm also going to drop um, today uh, or the episode of Bill O'Brien's old offensive system and new offensive system later this evening. So nevertheless, kick ass. Have a kick ass day, y'all.